It is good to see you, church family. I pray that you're joining us in your homes or in your watch groups, whether you're watching it live with us right now at the 9.30 hour, or whether you're watching it on demand throughout the week. It's been so good to be able to bring the word of God to you right here from our campus Sunday morning and opening the text today. We're gonna be in James, as we've entitled this sermon, Patience, Please. Have you ever seen a sign that says that? Patience, please. Isn't it interesting that, that our society has gotten to a point where we almost anticipate you being annoyed by something that's inconvenienced you? That we put up signs and say, hey, hey, please be patient with us. We see it organizationally. We see it in, in, in different aspects of companies where you just come across these signs. And, and today I wanted to really kind of hone in on that word patience and, and how it impacts us right now. What, what, what tests your patience? Is there something that, that particularly gets to you? Sometimes we call them pet peeves, right? Um, what, what are some things that really test your patience? I, I wrote down a couple. Um, my wife knows this about me. One is just waiting for anything, uh, all right? I, I just struggle to wait Put me at a restaurant where I can tell I'm gonna have bad service and you're gonna see my knees knocking. I'll be checking the kitchen. I'll be looking together. I, I struggle with that. Um, how about little kids out there? You're watching today, waiting for Christmas morning, right? It's your first big wait and it's like, oh, it just won't come. Um, how about a couple having their first baby? Oh my word, when we were having our first child, it felt like forever till he came. By the third one, we're like, oh my word, you're already gonna have the baby? I mean, that first one, oh, it took forever. We were driving around bumpy roads. We were just so impatient. How about a project? Do you hate waiting for a project to finish up? Guys, you got a bunch of projects started and very few finished. How about um, a response to an email? or a correspondence, you just hate waiting. What about, what, what, what are some, some things that test your patience? How about people? How about people? Do they test your patience? How about um, annoying people to you? How about slow drivers? H how about just people who are different in their opinion than yours, and they share a different worldview, or a different political opinion, or whatever? I mean, does that, work on your patience? Hey, I got one more here. How about the media, okay? Their agenda, their spin on things. I've heard so many people remarking about um, their frustrations with the things they have to tune into. And, and, you know, we don't like being patient for things, but we also understand there is a danger to hastiness. The other night, my wife was making onion rings for the kids, and um, she just piling up onion rings because, you know, we have two boys specifically who are hungry all the time, and uh, it was like an 11 o'clock onion ring, and I walked by the kitchen, and I got the, those aren't for you, those are for the boys. Well, can I have one or two? Uh, yeah, yeah, fine, but wait, they're not ready yet. Well, I did... I did this, I, I walked up to the oven, I kinda checked to see if she was watching. We have this little toaster oven, you had the onion rings, I, I pulled it down, I, I went in, I grabbed that onion ring, I felt a presence coming down the hall, and so I drove it in. <laughs> oh my word. Have you ever bitten into something so unbelievably hot 
that you're like coughing and then the top of your mouth is like burnt and it like feels rubbery immediately and it wrecks like two days of eating? Have you ever had an Elio's pizza before you should have? I mean, you just, oh, oh, it hurts. And you realize, oh, there was a point to waiting that I rushed ahead and I've hurt myself. But, oh, I just hate patiently waiting. Patience, please. And, and I don't know about you, but life right now is demanding a lot of patience, a lot of patience with people, patience with ourselves, patience with organizations, patience, patience, patience. And it's a difficulty because it feels like life right now is a little puzzling, doesn't it? I've heard people say, oh my word, it's June. Next week it's Father's Day. Oh my goodness. You know, we're working on some possible plans for an outdoor service as early as next week and we've been getting excited about some of those things but we're like, oh my word. We're sitting on the middle towards the end of June already next week. It's kind of puzzling in a way what we've been through the last two and a half months during this shutdown. I remember in college, we were freshmen. They welcomed us onto campus and they put us in tables and they got out a box, okay? And, and they, they took the box and they dumped it out. And I don't know if you can see that, but it's just puzzle pieces, okay? And they said, all right, you all have in your table 15 minutes to get as far as you can on this puzzle. Work together. And we're like, great, great. What's the puzzle? Ah, see, that's the thing. We're not gonna give you the picture on the front of the box. What? You want us to do a puzzle without the picture? How on earth? Can we work on a puzzle? We'll start with the edges. And, and, and we would start with the edges. And we work, but we, how are we going to do a puzzle when we can't see the full picture? It demands patience. It demands endurance. It demands steadfastness to get it done. It demands kind of a competitive spirit because there were some in our group that were like, I don't even care about the puzzle. It demands not understanding where every piece might go. I mean, look at these two pieces. I mean, right? I mean, it's difficult to put a puzzle together when you can't see the full picture. But isn't that our life sometimes? Where God's given us the pieces of our life. And we can see pieces sometimes making sense in his providence, but we don't have the whole picture. And so we're quick to judge certain pieces as too difficult. Lord, this doesn't make sense. This part of the puzzle is too hard. And, and I don't get how this all works. And there's a difficulty to it. And there's a struggle to it. And there's something that needs to be built up to continue to work on this puzzle despite the fact you can't see the big picture. And you have to trust that the puzzle maker put all the pieces in. But if you can trust a puzzle maker to put all the pieces in, you can certainly trust your heavenly father to work all the pieces together. But it's gonna take patience. That's why I call that story the puzzle principle. We're given the pieces, but not the full picture of our lives. We're given the opportunity to work towards completion, but we need the Lord's help. There's gonna be times where it's a puzzle, times where it doesn't make sense, 
But God cares so much more how we operate while we're putting it together than the finished product. And that's where patience comes into the puzzle of our life. You know, I've been calling the shutdown in my own life. Many of you know that I like to journal. I like to write stuff down so I can go back and see how the Lord answered prayer. Well, I called this journal entries over the last two and a half months, Life in the Pause. And um, this specific entry I wanted to go back to, it was in May, because you notice like towards the end of a crisis, everybody was a tough guy throughout it. They have revisionist history. Oh yeah, I was always like this is, you know, like I, I was fine the whole time. But, but I like to look back at my journal because I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to look back on my life and operate in tremendous grace on myself. Sometimes I can be too hard. But I noted some of the things I wrote, and I don't expect you to be able to see it, but I'm just gonna read this. It says, dear Lord, this shutdown's been very trying. Uh, my comfort has been tested, and at times I've come up discontent. There's some inconvenience that has hit me, Lord, and there's been times I've been discontent. Um, I wrote this, my humility has been tested, and at times I've been found foolhardy. There have been times I wanted to submit to what I'm being asked to do. I, I mean, there's just been times. All right, I'd like to tell you I'm perfect, but there were times through the last two and a half months I really struggled with that. My trust has been tested, and at times I've wrestled with unease. I mean, Lord, I know you're gonna work this out, but how will we come back as a church someday? What will be the process? How difficult will it be? Will it be a season of division? Will it be a season of unity? Um, And my selflessness has been tested, and at times I've put myself first. Uh, during the past two and a half months, my peace has been tested, and at times I've succumbed to anxiousness. I know the first couple of weeks, I was all like, yeah, it's going to be great, it's going to be, you're reading an article late night, you're like, Lord, how bad is this going to get? I mean, I'm seeing results out of Italy. How bad could this get? Now that it's June, we're feeling much better, but there's still some, some things to think about as we move forward in wisdom. But I wrote this, and this is where I'm gonna camp. My patience has been tested, and at times I've grown weary in doing good and keeping up. So today I wanted to speak out of my devotional life. My plan was to do this message last week, but God hasn't cared about my plans for about two and a half months at all. And so my plans are adjusting week by week, much like yours, and I wanted to speak into the unrest in our country last week, and so I delayed that for this week, And while our state is slowly working out of its mitigation, I think a sermon on patience is probably just what the doctor ordered. And so would you pray with me today as we go through the sermon, patience please, I'm gonna be leaning into a book book of James, a few verses there, and this is just gonna come from my devotional life. And I wanna share with you um, in today's sermon eight anchor verses that I've chosen to lock onto in my life to keep me grounded during a season where impatience is prevalent, and I'm also gonna share with you an acronym. Yeah, for whatever reason, I've turned into acronym guy. I told our staff, like, I've never been an acronym guy, but during the life in the pause or during this shutdown, I'm like acronym guy. I don't know why, and I'm gonna share it with you. It's one of our most shared media posts, last week acronym. Maybe this one will bless you this week, and um, as we talk about growing impatience. Do you feel that you need to grow in this area? I pray today will bless you. Heavenly Father, use this message for all of us listening to hear the importance to patience. 
See, I think it's something we like to talk about. I think it's something we like to be a character trait of everyone who deals with us. I think we would love our spouse to be more patient. I think we love our children to be more patient. I bet we would love our parents to be more patient. But Lord, this is a call for ourselves to look at this and say, Lord, what's it like to live with me? Lord, where can I grow in this area? And in a season where our patience is truly being tested, may we shine as lights of God's patience that he so richly lavishes onto us. And we'll pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, patience, please. Okay, let's turn to James chapter one, verses one through four. I wanna cover these. And I want you to take you to a, a very... A very popular passage, a passage many of you know, uh, verses that you're often very familiar with, and I pray it's a blessing for you. Here it is. It says this, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes that are in the dispersion, greetings. Okay, let's just unpack that for a few seconds. James, often believed to be the brother of Jesus, okay? So Mary and Joseph's son, all right? And, and, and he really claimed to believe in his brother um, after the resurrection. Uh, but you see, he says, I'm a servant of God. The idea is bondservant, which means voluntary servant. Nobody's making me serve God. I, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes, he's speaking to the Jews, that are in the dispersion. Why are they dispersed across? Persecution. Okay, how fitting a text for us being all in watch groups right now. We're dispersed abroad, okay, and James is gonna talk to us prayerfully like the way I wanna talk to our church today. He's a leader, James. He's a pastor's heart. He's a shepherd, and he wants his people listening that will be receiving this message to really take heed of his first principle he's gonna lay out. And so James speaks into that as a member of the Jerusalem council. He talks to the Jews that are dispersed and he says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, talking to God's kids here, okay, including brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. When you meet trials of various kinds, I want you to count it all joy. So one, two, no, count. It, it actually is a, is a word that speaks towards consider, analyze, react. Here's the idea. It's a verb of thought more than of action. I want you thinking this way. Think, analyze, react to this with all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Now, some translations even say divers' temptations, okay? Or, or things that have come along that prove us. It's a trial. A trial means to prove by testing. I want you to count it all joy, consider, analyze when you meet trials of various kinds. Note that it doesn't say if. It says when. The Christian life that is spent hoping to avoid trials isn't the Christian life of Scripture. It says when. When you meet trials, watch this, of how many kinds? Various kinds. Of just one kind? No. Of inner turmoil trials as well as external. So they could be emotional trials as well as external. Yes. Of various kinds. We all go through trials of various kinds on earth. Why? We live in a sin-cursed earth. We have a very real enemy 
who wants to destroy our lives, and people are sinners, and they'll hurt us, and we'll hurt them. You're going to go through trials on this side of eternity because of sin. One day he'll redeem all that, but you're going to have troubles. Jesus even said, in this world, you will have troubles, trials, things that will come along to test you. Now, I want to be sure real quick, before we move any further, I want to dive down under this trials here for a second because I think people confuse trials sometimes. You have to be able to understand the difference between a trial and a circumstance, or excuse me, a consequence. What's the difference between a trial or a consequence, okay? Okay, trials are troubles that God has allowed, okay? We, we, we experience them, he allows them. Trials, we are to embrace and learn from. Why? Because trials sometimes are out of our control. They just kind of happen to us. A disease has hit us, a struggle in our life. Just living in a sin-cursed earth brings troubles, okay? Those are trials. God has allowed them. We are to embrace and learn from them, okay? Not reject them, not say, I refuse this trial, but to embrace and learn from them. Consequences are different. Consequences are problems we have brought on by bad decision making, okay? Um, I can't eat that onion ring and go, oh, oh, God, how could you do this to me? And how many times do we make decisions and blame God for what's happened to us when they're a consequence of poor decisions, okay? A, A man can't go, and rob a bank, get put in prison, and then complain to God that they've been given a terrible inmate to be with. You've made decisions. Those are consequences, and we are to do what? We are to confess and turn from those. When we see something that's a consequence in our life and is a struggle in our life, and we know it's kind of on us, we are to confess it and turn from it. But trials, we're to embrace and learn from. Know the difference, church family. Okay, so with that, undergirding with that understanding of trials, James reminds us this. I want you to do this. I want you to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, okay? Like, so when a trial comes, you want me to be like, yes, all right, this is great. I can't feel my right arm anymore. It's totally gone. In fact, it's killing me. I, I, I just want to scream, but this is awesome. Is that the idea here? No. See, joy is not to be confused with happiness. Joy is a contentment. Joy is a gratitude based on trust and based on hope. In what? The Lord. If you place your hope on anything like money, houses, cars, and things like that, that can be taken from you. But when you place your joy and you place your hope in the Lord, you can count it joy, children of God, when you meet trials of various kinds. See, joy is the thermostat, if you will, and happiness is a thermometer. What's the difference? A thermometer just reflects what's going on. Your circumstances, the way the room feels, a thermometer tells you this is how, what the temperature is in the room. It's just a reflection of the room. A thermostat is something we can go and go, all right, I'm setting it to this. James says, when you encounter trials, I want you to set yourself to joy. Well, I mean, if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna need a little more help with this. And he understands that. And he says, so I'm gonna tell you why you should do this. Four, you know, 
brothers and sisters of Christ, that the testing of your faith produces, here it is, patience. It produces patience. When you go through testing, when you go through trials, when you get put in difficult situations, it's producing Patience. Now, now, patience can be translated steadfastness in the ESV, endurance in the NASB, perseverance in the NIV. So there's an action to this patience. There's a, a steady moving. There's an endurance, which that word's powerful. It means to abide under in its original language. Um, the idea here is to remain under submission for a time period. Um, perseverance to continue to plot along for you know that when you go through these testings you can have joy you know what God I can rejoice that I'm going to come out stronger I'm going to come out with a better knowledge of you and I'm going to be able to see you in the end whether even it's on earth or in glory how you've worked it out but there's a temptation right here of impatience that exists here I think it's interesting that trials is often interpreted divers' temptations. I put this up. When we go through divers' temptations or trials, we have two choices. Will I dive into sin or am I gonna dive into joy? How do you handle trials? Do you immediately dive into sin, complaining, God, if you're gonna allow this in my life, I can't stay, I hate you, God. I mean, I'm gonna make a God up based on circumstances, I'll dive into sin. But if I have a God that's based on the hope and the truth of scripture, I'm gonna dive into joy that he's gonna use this. Now, I grew up in Percocy on 9th Street and uh, lived in a row home. And one of our fun activities each summer, okay, this is gonna sting the kids a little bit, but I think the day's coming when it'll open. Um, we would go to Menlo Pool, all right? Now, at Menlo Pool, back when I was a kid, we didn't have these huge sliding boards and, and, and they got now like these different areas where you can float along, but we did have something that the pool doesn't have now, and that was an extremely dangerous and terribly put together thought of a high dive for kids, okay? And this high dive was way up in the air. There were the regular dives, and then this high dive, you had to climb a ladder to go to this high dive. Oh my goodness. And, and it, you just, when you were a little kid, and you saw the teenagers jumping off the high dive, they were, they were, like, they were like swimming gods. I mean, you couldn't believe it. Look at, oh my goodness, they jumped down into the deep end. And they would come back and they'd say, I went off the deep end and I, when I landed off the high dive, I went all the way to the bottom of the deep end, touched the floor with my feet and shot up. And I remember thinking, if only I could experience the deep end. But I had some fears, but I also heard of some steps I had to take that was preventing me. You see, before you could go off this high dive, they had a swim test you had to take. And this swim test, you had to prove that you could swim for a certain amount of time in the deep end. You had to show endurance. You had to show perseverance. You had to demonstrate that you could handle landing in the deep end. But then, if you got through the, the, that test, you would notice that the lower dives had short lines, the high dive had huge lines. Why? Because everybody wanted to go off this thing, okay? And so then you had to go through the line. So I got the test. Those were obstacles in the way that I had to get. Then there was the line, and that challenged your attitude. Do I really want to wait in a line that long? I mean, 
You know, so-and-so, I gotta wait till their turn, their turn. And that, whenever we're in a line, that challenges our attitudes. And then, then there was the guard. And they would have to make you wait till the kid would jump in, you know. They'd have to swim out of the way. Okay, now you can go. And so there had to be clearance from the lifeguard tower before you could go. Now, at that time in my life, I wasn't processing how this is a picture of patience. But now I can look back and say, part of patience is seeing something you desire in the future and being willing to go through the proper channels that sometimes God has for us to achieve the desired result and the desired joy of diving into the deep end of all he has for us. There's gonna be a time of testing where there's obstacles that you have to overcome to prepare you for that. There's gonna be a wait at times in our lives. We started with a video talking about how so many of God's kids had to wait for God's promises to be fulfilled. And there's gonna be clearance where you're gonna have to learn submission to the authorities that God has been placing over you. And there's this, this, this idea here that you go through all these experiences because the, the pool doesn't want you, okay, to be lacking in some knowledge that could hurt you. They want you to be complete with all the information so you know what to anticipate when you go off of that dive. And that takes us to our fourth verse. Let patience, there's steps to it. There's perseverance, there's endurance, there's steadfastness, which is a a standing firm, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, the idea here is God wants our puzzle to be complete. He wants us to grow in Christ-likeness. It's a big word theologians use called sanctification. And it's a spiritual growing to be more complete, but it's not gonna be done without patience, steadfastness, endurance to work the problem and to put the pieces together and to see even when it doesn't make sense and to hope that one day it's all gonna make sense. I'm gonna count it joy that even though these current pieces, God, are so hard and I don't get them and they don't make sense and I could easily work on this spot, but God, you're asking me to work on this spot of the puzzle and in this time I'm going to count it. I'm going to think of this as joy even though it's a drag because I know one day I'm going to see it all and go, you know what, God? You knew what you were doing. There's a bigger picture and you don't want me to be incomplete. You don't want this puzzle to not get finished and that can bring me joy even during this time. I want to propose to you six purposes of why you might be going through a trial right now. One, this test right now might be removing some pride in you that God knows is there. You can't handle the deep end yet. You'll blow it up. You'll miss. You'll run up and just jump off the thing and you're not ready for what is all there. Maybe he's revealing who your true passions are. You know what? I don't really want to go off the deep end. I did, but now I look at it and I go, nah. I know a lot of guys who are praying for their high school sweetheart to marry them, and they're married right now, and they're glad it wasn't their high school sweetheart. Sometimes God makes us wait to reveal what we actually really love. And sometimes it reveals what we've been loving more than him. 
The God of sports has been taken away from a lot of people right now. And it's revealing what they were really passionate about. Reorganizing of priorities. When we go through seasons where we're asked to be patient, God's reorganizing what's important to us. Have any of you said to yourself, you know what, when things get going again, I don't think we're gonna go back to that. Sometimes it's refining us for future purposes. Sometimes the trials in our life prepare us to minister to somebody else. You might be in a season where cancer is winning the day in your life, but maybe God's using that right now in your life to prepare someone else who's gonna go through it that you're gonna love on and care for because you get it. Maybe during your trial, he's refocusing the placement of your hope. God, I put my hope in money and we're running out of it. God, I put my hope in a business and I've been shuttered for the last two months. God, I put my hope in people and that's not getting it done right now. You've repl- you're refocusing where my hope should be. And then maybe this trial's renewing your need for dependence on him. I know as a, as a guy who likes to forecast and vision and prepare for the future, it has been very difficult for me to go week by week. But God has been teaching me through that. And I've been learning something about my need, my desperate need for his dependence that I might have been kind of just rolling through life thinking I was fine. What we learn while we wait is more important than often what we're waiting for. What is God asking you to learn right now? For me, he's been teaching me patience. And so I wanna open up that journal and I wanna share with you my eight anchor verses that I promised in the beginning of this message. I believe in anchor verses. When I, and when I see a spot in my life that I know God wants to grow, I kind of target that spot. You see, faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it grows. Well, athletes out there, if I told you your quads are weak or your biceps are weak or your triceps, you would target those areas, right? You would learn exercises that target those muscles, okay? Your back is weak, okay? I've got to work on my scaps, okay? I've got to do exercises that work that because I need to target an area. God had been showing me, Chris, I want you to target patience for what I have next for you in the future. I know you got big plans. I know you and your church, you've been praying about big, big plans, but I need to see patience growing in you. I'm sensing that in my prayer life and in my scripture reading. And so I wanna give you my eight anchor verses that target patience for me. They're my verses, you can't have them. You know, you can have But these are eight verses and I wanna put them on each morning like clothes, okay? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy beloved, compassionate hearts. God's not interested in a heart that's not compassionate. He wants compassionate hearts. I wanna see kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I remember thinking those words were soft and weak. It is so much easier to be angry, cocky, proudful, and a jerk than it is to be those words. If you really wanna be tough, try living that out, okay? Anybody can do the opposite. You're not a tough guy, you're a one of. You wanna be different? Be strong, have convictions, but do it with a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I'll tell you what, you'll have my respect because that's difficult. Here are the eight verses. If you wanna just target patience, you wanna get that muscle a little stronger, here they are, and um, I'll show you how they incorporate every aspect of patience. Ready? Here's the first one. Trial patience, okay? I leveraged this last week. 
Romans 12, 12. Rejoice, I want you to count joy in your hope. Be patient when you go through tribulation. Don't be hasty. Be patient. You need trial patience. Be constant in prayer. I want this verse. Consider it, consider it. Analyze it, Chris. This is a verb of thought. I want you thinking this verse when you go through your trials, Chris. Be patient during the trial. Don't be hasty. Here's the second one. The second anchor verse to just strengthen. Waiting patience, okay? If you struggle to wait, okay? This is when we get tested. Um, um, Often uh, a test of complaining, right? Because we're quick to grumble when we have to wait. So waiting patience. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly. For the salvation of the Lord, Lamentations 3, 25 through 26. When God's asking you to wait, it is good for you to be quiet. Okay? I mean, we struggle with this. Check your social media. We struggle waiting quietly. The Lord says, this isn't vent season on complaining. It is good to wait quietly. Folks, do you believe in a sovereign God? If you do, Was he shocked that there was a shutdown specifically for your life? Was he like, what? I did not see this coming. Michael, Gabriel, there's a shutdown. Nope. There's no coincidences with a Christian. God wants you to go through this or he wouldn't have allowed it. How are you gonna handle the wait? It is good to wait quietly. Here's the third one. Project patience. Better is the end. Have you ever heard this verse? It's one of those little secret verses in Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud. You know what? It's better at the end than it is at the beginning. Stick with it. Project patience. Finish the job. It's better a thing at the end. But the proud in spirit, ah, oh, no, patience is, is so much better. Do you get the test of shortcuts? Ask any construction guy if he knows of an organization or a company that takes shortcuts in, con- in, in construction. They don't have project patience. You know, you hear a lot of this sometimes when it goes to projects, even in building projects. Well, what's the right thing to do? Well, you should do that. You probably should go and get that, but, you know, not everybody does because they lack project patience. And oftentimes, shortcuts are taken and even things that break a person's integrity because they just want to get the project done. Here's a fourth. People patience. Right? People patience, okay? This is the test of selflessness, right? Um, With humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4.2. I used to speak to teenagers about this verse, and I say, sometimes God's gonna send some bears along in your life, and you need to bear with them, okay? There are some people that are gonna wear you out. I believe often God allows some people like that into our life, one, to expose something in us. Isn't it amazing when we see some of our flaws come out in our kids, we try to blame our spouse? Hey, they're acting like you. No, they're acting like you. Bear with one another. Wow. Here's another one, fifth. Teaching patience. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, exhort. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. With complete, oh, Patience. 
Rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching, 2 Timothy 4.2. Yes, this is a verse towards pastors, but moms, when you teach, yeah, rebuke, exhort, that's wrong, with, with complete patience. I, I, this is one of my areas when I struggled to teach because I want to see faster results in that person. God says, I want to see patience. I want to see you endure with them. I want to see you bear with them. I want to see you not quit on them. Teachers, it's going to be difficult going back in the fall, especially if you're online. There's going to be some teaching patience needed. What a great verse for the teachers out there. Yes, it's towards pastors, but I think teachers can own in on that. Here's the sixth. Empathy patience. Empathy, the ability to think about one, one person's um, situation, to look at life in their shoes. Whoever is, patience has great under, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered, they display folly, Proverbs 14, 29. Those who go to quick temper during times when empathy should be shown, they're displaying folly, the man of wisdom says who wrote Proverbs. But whoever is patient has great understanding. Wow, what a test of self-control right now while people are shooting out all their opinions. I've had some people say to me, it's been so hard for me not to respond. I said, God will honor your restraint. And seven, ministry patience. Any you ever serve in a place in your church, revivals or whatever? Let us not grow weary in doing good. In other words, it's possible. For at the proper time, we're gonna reap a harvest if we don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. There are sometimes in ministry where you get criticism, you get flack, and you're saying, I'm doing the best I can and I'm still getting beat up for it. These are times in your life where you need ministry patience to not grow weary. And if you got these verses hidden in your heart, when the times of impatience rise up, these verses are gonna come to your head and you're gonna analyze this trial and you're gonna process this trial and you're gonna think about this and you're gonna go, wait a minute, I'm not gonna react. This is a puzzle piece in my life where God wants me to grow in patience and these verses are gonna come to your mind and they're gonna speak to you and, 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 and in time, you're gonna reap a harvest if you just continue to steadfastly endure and demonstrate patience through whatever God's called you to do. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. James, later in chapter five, working off this reap a harvest, James says this, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until receives its early and late rains? Are, are farmers lazy? Do they just sit around? No. No, they endure. They persevere. They're patient because they know that they're gonna get the result if they demonstrate patience versus hastiness. James says, yeah, and you also be patient. Establish, establish. The idea here is to strengthen, okay? Like that muscle, establish it, strengthen it. Your hearts for the coming of the Lord's at hand. I'm coming, but in the meantime, I want you to be patient. Church body, we should be known for our patience. Boy, that, that convicts me just to say it out loud because I know it's an area that I definitely need to grow in. 
So I put together an acronym for us because I like to look at like what, what, what does a patient person look like, right? So, so I just put this together, patients personified, all right? And, and I took the word patients and, and let's work through it here. Um, a patient person, you know what? If you wanna look, what's a, what's a character trait? They're persistent through their goals. They just stick with, they have a goal and they stick with it. Why do people not lose weight when they want to? Because they don't have patience. They just want to drop 20 pounds this week. Not going to happen. You got to be persistent through your goal. You're going to have to demonstrate some patience, endurance, perseverance, any kind of project. They're attentive in conversation. A patient person, when you're speaking to them, listens. An impatient person looks like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trusting by nature. Patient people, you'll find they trust, especially, let's focus this on the Lord. They trust God has a plan and they don't need to be in control. Patient people are imperfect in their self-concept. They don't look at themselves as perfect so they don't demand it from other people. Impatient people want everyone to be perfect. Why aren't they like that? How come they don't do this? The problem with people are, people are so dumb. A patient person understands, hey, I'm not perfect it's probably a nightmare living with me, so I'm gonna extend some grace to other people. They're easygoing through change. Why? Because they're not control freaks. And they understand, things could change at any time. Controlling people are often impatient people, and part of the reason they're impatient is because they've been trying to get out in front of people and control everything. They're non-judgmental with their opinions. Again, working off the imperfect concept, they're not quick to judge other people regardless of whether they agree with their opinion or not. They're content to wait. Most people don't want to look at their credit card statements because of patience. You know, we could have saved up for it, but let's just buy it now. And they weren't content to wait. I think we all have a material purchase in our life that we look back and go, probably shouldn't have done that and then enduring through struggles. Some of the most patient, awesome people in our church are our senior saints that are enduring chronic pain, yet have the faith that moves mountains, and will even preach to you while you're sitting beside their hospital bed. But for my note takers out there, you said, Chris, it was eight, and you only gave us seven. So here's the eight, let's review the list. Trial patients, Waiting patience, project patience, people patience, teaching patience, empathy patience, ministry patience. These are in my notes. These are in my journal. And then the last one, self-patience. I gotta have verses for all these if Chris is gonna grow in patience because I'm weak in a lot of these areas. And this last one is probably the worst. I am really, I don't know, anybody like me, I'm really hard on myself. Really hard on myself. And I struggle with self-patience. And so this is my last piece. Eight, I am sure of this. I need this verse in my life all the time. There's so many times I'm like, Chris, you know, you're out here preaching to everybody. You, you need to be doing this. I am sure of this. He who began. He who began a good work will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I'm not a finished product and sometimes I gotta give myself a little grace. I've been on the phone just in the past two months with some people in some really bad spots emotionally. Really bad spots. And I've said this line, hey, hey, give yourself some grace. 
but you don't understand what I said to God last night. I mean, I was in bed and I was like, God, and I, give yourself a little grace. God knows our frailty. He is acquainted with our weaknesses. He understands. Give yourself some patience. I'm still a work in progress. When I was in youth ministry, the teenagers would sometimes say, you think they're so perfect? Can I tell you what they did at school? I said, well, wait a minute. I don't think that's a completed puzzle. I don't wanna judge a puzzle halfway done. I don't wanna judge a puzzle a quarter of the way done. Do you want me to judge you when you're not done? Because I can promise you, the 16-year-old Chris Heller should not be standing on this stage, and I could argue the 40-something Chris Heller shouldn't either. But because of God's worthiness, because of God's grace, I get this opportunity to share with you what he's laid on my heart, and it's only because of him, nothing I've done. All my works are just filthy rags. You say, Chris, why is God so patient with us? Why? Is it ignorance? Does, does, does he not know what's going on down here? Nope, it's not ignorance. He knows exactly what's going on down here. He is omniscient, which means he knows all things. It's one of his attributes. Is he weak? Can he not stop sin? Is he just the devil's too good for him or too strong for him? I mean, why can't he answer the prayer that I've been praying? Is it because he's weak? Nope. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God's power is best reflected in his restraint right now. Is, it, is he apathetic then? He just doesn't care? I mean, why is God so patient? I've been praying. Nope, it's not apathy. God cares, and he is storing up judgment for that great day. Well, then is it absence? Nope. God sees all the suffering that his kids are even going through. Do you remember the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He sees it all. Why is God so patient? I believe 2 Peter 3.9 tells me why. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know, one day, one day we're gonna reach the end. But until that day, God's great patience is wishing that all would come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Part of God's incredible patience with what we're watching in today's world is there are still people he desires to be in glory for all of eternity. And maybe it's for you. Maybe you're sitting there today on your couch or you're listening by your laptop or you're laying in bed on a podcast listening to this and maybe God's saying to you, it's time. Look at this world around and you cannot not see what God has clearly laid out in scripture that we're reaching a time where a decision should be made. Are you gonna dive in to sin? Are you gonna dive into joy? Are you gonna let God begin a work in you that he'll be faithful to complete 
And all the puzzle pieces might not all make sense at times. But one day, you'll see it come to completion. And it'll be a beautiful, beautiful picture. I wait for that day. I anxiously look for that day. And I'm praying that today's sermon desires you to grow in patience. And so, I've put together a watch group, final kind of question for you to even have on in your houses. Which of these eight pieces of patience is the most difficult for you? Trial, waiting, a project, people right now, teaching somebody, empathy, ministry, even with yourself. Where are you currently being tested and which one will be your predominant focus this week? I promise you, you're not gonna grow in patience by just wanting to. You're gonna have to persevere in the word and get verses. You're gonna have to endure through some difficulty and know the scriptures to be able to get through it. Those are my anchor verses. I would encourage you to get your own so that thy word have I hid in my heart that you won't sin against him the next time your patience is tested, which might even be today. Church family, I pray this was an encouragement to grow in patience. I pray that whatever trial you may be going through, that you can count it all joy, knowing, knowing there's a reason for it, God's gonna use it, and even if I don't understand it, one day I will. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for your truth, and for this lesson on patience. Lord, there are times where I look at trials and I don't want to count them joy. I want to avoid them at all costs. But if I'm honest with myself, it's been the times in my life that are the most difficult where I've probably grown the most. And I can look back on them now and say, that was hard. Lord, I'm not gonna lie. This past two and a half months has been really hard on administrators, on governing officials, on moms, on people who've lost loved ones, on society, on decision-making that never comes to fruition. There's so many plans made right now and that are thrown out. And it felt like all that planning was for nothing. Lord, we don't fully know the future, but we know this. We can walk through this current puzzle piece and count it joy. Not anger, frustration, and, and upset impatience, but count it joy knowing that this didn't surprise you and you want to use it. And may we dive into it with joy, not dive into it with sin and live a life of patience that others might see and ask us, where's this hope that you have? I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.